federal courthouse in downtown Montgomery houses the district bankruptcy court. It's not a pleasant prospect to consider bankruptcy, even today. But at least in our time, we don't usually send people to prison for being unable to pay their debts. In Jesus' day, the common practice was if someone couldn't pay up, you could put them behind bars until they paid. Unfortunately, that was all too common as impoverished people fell victim to exorbitantly high taxes and greedy lenders. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, Jesus tells his followers they must come to God like little children, and he warns them not to cause other little children to stumble. Instead, go and seek out a brother or sister who gets lost, like a shepherd would leave the flock to find that one lost sheep. Then he outlines how to approach a brother or sister who sins. Well, Peter seems to think that's okay once, but not over and over again. So he comes to Jesus and he asks how many times he should have to forgive someone. Seven times, he asks. But Jesus counters, no, 70 times seven times. Then Jesus told this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he owed be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It seems like in the kingdom Jesus is proclaiming, there wouldn't be much use for a bankruptcy court if everyone understood how much debt God has forgiven them. Maybe they would never again think of coming after someone else's debts. Good morning. Good to see you. Thank you so much for being here, especially if you're a guest with us. I also want to say thank you to all of you who are joining online or on television. If you're in the room, would you please give our online television audience a big hand? This morning, uh, I want us to begin as we begin each message each week, and that is by praying for another church in our area. And this morning, we're going to pray for Center Point Fellowship and Pastor John Schmidt. You may have no, you may know him, some of you, yeah. And uh, yeah, you can give him a hand. Yeah, he was here for uh, served here for 19 years, and uh, there's a picture of their building that's going up. So let's pray for them uh, as we are praying for ourselves. Uh, this morning. Just so you guys in the sound booth know, I'm getting some ringing in my ear back here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being so good to us. And Lord, we thank you in this moment. Uh, Lord, you are doing great things, great things. We thank you for our young people who have been leading us in worship today. Lord, we thank you for Center Point. Just pray your blessings on them. Would you be with them throughout these difficult days? Be with Pastor John. Lord, would you watch over him and his family and the leadership of the church? Uh, help them navigate these difficult days we're in and just pour out your blessings upon them. And Lord, that's what we ask for now, that you would bless us as we open your word. Would you speak to us? 
in powerful ways. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, if, if you were saying, Chris, you can go anywhere in the world or we're going to send you to any particular place in the world and you can only preach three messages, just three, um, the one I'm going to give you today would be in the top three. I, I, the top three would be, number one, that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. Only one. There's no other saviors. Number two is that God can work good in any and every circumstance in your life. And number three is forgiveness. Not just the forgiveness we need to receive, but the forgiveness we need to give. I believe it's that important. In our text in Matthew 18, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Also, if you want to go to Matthew chapter 12, we're going to be there in uh, verse 33 here in just a few moments, and I'm going to throw about 20 other scriptures at you, but you'll keep up. It'll be just fine. But in Matthew chapter 18, we see Peter walk up to Jesus one day, and he says, he says, Lord, uh, how many times do I have to or should I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? And we've all asked this question to, um, in one way or another. We've all asked the question, how many times do I have to forgive that person, right? And, and so, so Peter, like, he, he tries to put a cap on it. He says, God, how, how about seven times? Seven, that, that's a good holy number. Maybe I forgive them seven times, and then after that, you know, we're done. That, that, that sounds reasonable. The problem is, is that Jesus is not very reasonable, especially when it comes to grace. He's actually extravagant. And so Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or as some of your translations put it, 70 times seven. That's how many times. And then he goes on to tell this parable. And the parable is, you heard it read for us, a parable this man is forgiven by, of a lot of debt, and then he goes immediately and he finds someone who owes him something, and he will not forgive that person's debt, Right? And then you see this scene that happens at the end when the master or the king hears that this servant that he forgave has not forgiven someone else. In verse 32, it says, the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant. Right here, the Bible actually calls unforgiveness wickedness. A lot of times we think, I, I'm not wicked. I, I'm, I'm godly. I'm holy. I, I, I love Jesus. I worship Jesus. Well, what I hear what Scripture is telling us is if you're not willing to forgive, you're holding in unforgiveness from someone, it's wickedness. He says, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Verse 34, in anger the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured, notice that word tortured, until he should pay back all he owed. Right here, what this parable is telling us is that if we are not willing to forgive people, it tortures us. If that's the game we're going to play, if we're going to play by those rules, we just need to know that if we're not willing to forgive someone, all it's going to do is torture us. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Notice that word heart. This is a very stern, stern teaching here from Jesus. That we will live tortured lives if we do not learn how to forgive another person. And actually, God will allow the torture in order to get our attention. 
God will allow the torture in order to get our attention. Now, if we go six chapters earlier to Matthew chapter 12, uh, what we see in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, starting there, Jesus starts teaching about a tree and fruit, okay? He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, then the fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, then the fruit will be bad. And then he says this, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart, notice the word heart, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? A good person produces good things out of the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things out of the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day. For every idle word you speak, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now, there's a connection between Matthew chapter 18 and Matthew chapter 12 right here. Notice the word that's repeated in both, and that's the word heart. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, we have to forgive our brothers and sisters from the heart. In Matthew chapter 12, he says, out of the heart... That's what you're going to say. And the point, the connection between the two is this, is that one of the greatest fruits of your faith, one of the greatest fruits of your faith, one of the greatest ways you live out your faith is forgiveness. And you know, you and I, we know if we've really forgiven someone based off what we say about them. What we say about them. It's very important. How we talk about people who have hurt us in the past reveals to us if we really have forgiven them or not. Now, there are three ways we try to avoid or get around forgiving another person. Three ways. Now, if I'm talking about these in terms of personality, uh, depending on your personality may determine which route you take. But if I'm talking about them in terms of personality, they're either passive, passive-aggressive, or aggressive, okay? Let's start with passive. Let me put it to you differently, though. Uh, one of the ways that we try to avoid forgiving another person is we simply say, the offense was no big deal. It was no big deal. Has anyone ever come to you and they said, I just need to tell you, I am so sorry. And you just go, no, 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 no big deal, no big deal. It's fine, it's fine. Now on the inside, you could kill them, right? But no, it's fine, it's, no, don't even think anything else about it, right? Sometimes we even get to that point where we're just kind of like, we even joke about it, you know. Proverbs 14.9 says this, fools make fun of guilt, meaning you make light of it. That's fine, that's fine. He said, that's foolish. That's foolish. That doesn't do anybody any good. Fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. First, we have to accept it, the fact that, yes, no, that really did hurt. That really did hurt. It's not just fine, okay? No, that really did hurt. Whenever I accept it, I can acknowledge it. Whenever I can uh, accept it and acknowledge it, that's when forgiveness can take place. You're not going to see forgiveness until you personally can accept it and acknowledge out loud, yes, that, that really did hurt. That hurt. And so the first thing we do is... is some of us, we just try to say, ah, it really wasn't that big a deal. And we just try to move on without addressing it. Passive. Passive aggressive is a little more complicated. The second thing, the second way we try to avoid getting around forgiving another person is we try to avoid certain people instead, instead of dealing with our own hearts. 
We try to avoid certain people instead of dealing with our own heart. It, 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 I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people who have gone through a divorce, they just say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life avoiding that person. One thing, if you have kids, that's going to be impossible. But the second thing is, who wants to live that way? I know somebody that literally walked into a restaurant, there was somebody in the restaurant that they had not forgiven, and they turned around and walked out of the restaurant. They told me about it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, that person, because of your unforgiveness, now they're dictating where and when you eat. That's how powerful unforgiveness is in our lives. And so many times what we do, we just say, I'm going to avoid them. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to avoid them, but we don't deal with our own heart. Look at Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. It says this, get rid of all bitterness. This time I, in you, in you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. These are things that come from within us, right? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Get rid of these as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, verse 32 says, instead means do something different. Be kind to each other. That's relational. Tender-hearted, hearted, heart, heart, changed heart, and forgive one another. You see what Paul is saying there? He says, listen, you can be bitter, you can have rage, you can live angry, you can say harsh words and slander, you can do all those kind of things from a distance. But God's call for us is greater than that. Instead of just distancing ourselves from that person, instead, be kind. That means you have to be in a relationship. Be tender-hearted. That means you're in a relationship. And forgive. Forgive. Why would we even consider doing that? He tells us, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That's why you would consider it. 2 Timothy 2, 24 says, The servant of the Lord. You really want to be a servant of God. The servant of the Lord must be patient with difficult people with difficult people not just around difficult people but with them in relationship with them if we're really going to serve the Lord and say that we are servants of God then we have to learn how to forgive and learn how to be patient with them you see it doesn't say the servant of the Lord avoids people they don't like no you learn how to be in relationship with them. So the first thing that we do that's unhealthy, the passive way, is we just say the offense is no big deal. The second thing we do is we just try to avoid the person instead of dealing with what's going on in our own heart, instead of letting God change us from the inside out. The third thing that we do, the aggressive route, is, of course, you know it, is revenge. We seek revenge. And this happens all the time. All the time. It, this is when we try to ruin the credibility. We try to discredit someone's competency or ruin their reputation. And again, it happens. It plays out all the time in our world. Proverbs 20, verse 22 and 23 says this. Don't say, don't say, I will get even with this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Wait. Let the Lord handle this, he says. And then he says this, the very next verse. The Lord detests double standards. He, he is not pleased by dishonest scales. Now, I think these two verses go together. They, they say something very powerful for each other. First thing he says is, don't say when you've been wronged, I'm going to get even for this wrong. Let the Lord take care of that. And then he says, the Lord detests double standards. 
You see, so many times we live life and we're unhappy in life because we live by double standards. There are people that we like, people who have not hurt us, or if they have, it wasn't really, really bad and we forgave them. But they're in the I like you category, right? And then there are people that we don't like for whatever reason. And somewhere along the way, they probably hurt us or made us angry. And so you're in the I don't like you category. Whenever you live that way, whenever you live life separating people out like that, you're living with double standards in how you view human beings. You're looking around and you're saying, oh, you're in the like category. Oh, you're in the dislike category. It says God does not want us to live that way. Don't live that way. Galatians 5, 15 and 16 says this. If you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Just watch out. This is about to get bad. Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. If you get caught in that vicious cycle, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You said something about me, I'm going to say something else about you. You told five people, I'm going to tell ten people. You get caught in that vicious cycle. He said, just look out. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And that's where revenge leads us. Romans 12 18 and following says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, notice that, depends on you. So many times we say, well, they said, they did. So, so, as, as long as it, as far as it depends on you, it says, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. The same thing Solomon was telling us in Proverbs. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, for by doing that, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> There's a whole other sermon there, okay? We'll leave that for another time. Do not, watch this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right there's our two options. You're either going to be overcome by evil, that's what happens when you seek revenge, or you're going to overcome evil with good. Those are the only two. You've all heard the statement, if, if you're going to seek revenge, dig two graves. One for the person you're going after, and one for who? One for yourself. These are the ways, the common ways we try to avoid, to get around, to skirt around forgiving someone. No big deal, no big deal. Or I'm just going to avoid you, not deal with what's going on on the inside of me, or, or we seek revenge. Now, when I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm not saying the relationship is reconciled. Please hear me. Please hear me. Forgiveness is one thing. Reconciliation is a totally different thing. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness only takes one. Okay? But I'm telling you that you can forgive. You can forgive. It does not mean life goes back to normal. You're going to be BFFs the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. But you can forgive. And there are three steps you've got to take if you're going to be a person of forgiveness. Number one is this, is that you have to take inventory of your heart. You have to take inventory of your heart. Psalm 139, verse 23 says this. God, examine me. And know my heart. Now, time out. When David's praying that, do you think that God already knows David's heart? 
So maybe that's being said out loud for another reason. Okay? God, examine me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, what makes me anxious? What creates anxiety in my life here? He says, see if there's any bad thing in me. Lead me on the road to everlasting life. What the psalmist is saying here is, God, help me know me. Every one of us could use a a big bucket or dose of self-awareness. Would you agree? I mean, we all have those things that we do that we say that drive everybody else around us nuts and everybody else sees it and except us, right, until someone points it out. Every one of us, every one of us could use a little more self-awareness in life. And right here what the psalmist is saying is, God, help me know me. What's creating anxiety in me? Here's a good question for you. God, where's this anger coming from? Where's this snappiness coming from in me? Where, where is that? You do know it's, it's not a sin to get angry. You do know that, right? It's not a sin to get angry. God gets angry, okay? All God's children get angry. You with me? The question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with the anger? Where does that anger take you? That's why Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger... Do not what? Sin. You can get angry, just don't sin out of the anger. It goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Meaning, fix that fast. Get to the root of what's causing anger in your life fast. Because living angry is one of the most unhealthy things in the world, I promise you. Research shows that if you hold grudges, it increases your risk for cardiovascular disease, pain disorders, stomach ulcers, anxiety, and depression, among other things. I mean, people do research on the correlation between unforgiveness and cancer. That's how powerful it is in our life. When we hold grudges, we live bitter lives. Living angry will only hurt you and those you claim to love. You with me? You say you love them. Sometimes the way we can love the people around us is to deal with the anger that's in our own heart. The best ways. And sometimes we need to say, God, would you help me take inventory of what's going on in me? Where's this anxiety? Where's this fear? Where's this anger coming from? Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. That's all that's going to come from living an angry life. It's only going to lead to harm. And we say yes to that in theory, but then we live it whenever we withhold forgiveness from someone else. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. He said, all that's going to come from being angry is conflict. It's going to naturally happen. You cannot stop it from happening. It's going to happen if you're going to live angry. And the first thing we have to do is we have to say, say, God, help me know me. Help me know where is the anger coming from? Where is the anxiety coming from? Who is this really about? Where is this really directed in my life? Where is it at? I could preach a whole sermon on that one point. There's a whole lot there. But the first thing we have to say is, God, help me know me. Take inventory. The second thing is that we have to ask God for help. I think you're a really smart person. I think you're brilliant and beautiful and all those things. But here's the thing. You cannot forgive on your own. Again, I think you're amazing. Don't, don't mishear me. I just don't think you got it in you. As human beings, we are naturally 
naturally, revenge seekers in some way, or not deal with hurts in some way. We naturally do it. And the truth is we need God to help us. Psalm 86, verse 5 says, O Lord, you are so good. Y'all believe that God is good? Yes. You are so ready to forgive. Do you believe that God is ready to forgive? You are so full of unfailing love. Do you believe that God is full of unfailing love? Yes. For all who ask for your help. Help, help how? Help with goodness. Help with forgiveness. Help with loving. You see, the character of who God is, that's what he wants to be in our life. And ultimately, any way God helps us, he helps us be molded into his image. And living a life of love is the whole goal. It's the whole goal. That's why uh, Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. When someone forgives another person, that's when love is prospering. But dwelling on it separates close friends. I don't care how close you are. If unforgiveness is in the relationship, it's going to bring separation, it says. And so we need help. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 121, verse 2. It says, my help comes from the Lord, the same Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. If you're here, if you're watching online, wherever you are, if you believe that God created the world out of nothing, you believe that God created everything on this planet, you actually believe that. So many times we'll say, yes, I believe God created everything, but I can't get over this hurt. The God who created everything, oceans, mountains, land, pterodactyls, everything. Just seeing if you're with me. Everything. That God is the one who can help us forgive another person. Same God. We just have to ask. That's why Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, ask, and it will be given. But you have to remember, this is not your power. You cannot do this on your own. You can try all you want to, but you cannot do this on your own. I mean, y'all know Philippians 4.13, right? I can do a whole bunch of things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, was it all? I can do a lot of things. I can do most things. I can do a whole bunch of things. I, some things. I can do all things. Even forgive someone who has hurt me. Through Christ who strengthens me. It's not your power. So you have, to ask, you have to ask for his. Take inventory of your heart, ask for God's help. And then number three is this. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Never forget how much God has forgiven you. In fact, let that motivate you to forgive other people. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowances Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Let that motivate you in forgiving other people. Several years ago, I was sitting in my office, and, and I, was, I was mad. I was hurt, and I was mad. And I, I was stewing. You know what that means? If you don't know what it means, it just means I wasn't in a good place. It's one of those where the secretary walks in, check on you, see if you're okay, and it's kind of one look. It's like, oh dear, you know, and shut the door, you know. I was hot. 
And in that moment, you know, those are moments when God loves to come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, oh, hey, Chris, uh, you can be angry all you want to. And I'm so glad that you're so perfect. You've never needed forgiveness, you know. You know, God loves to say those kind of things. Actually, what I heard God say was, Chris, you let yourself go and you let them go. You'll let yourself go and you let them go. You know, so many times in life we talk about things that hold us back. You know, this holds me back, that holds me back, you know. We, we blame a lot of things. Sometimes the very thing that holds us back is the thing we're holding on to back there. Sometimes what it, in life, what holds us back is the thing we hold on to that's back there. And we have to remember how much the Lord has forgiven us and let that motivate us to forgive others. I believe if you'll do those three things, then you're ready to forgive someone. You take inventory. Where's this anger? Where's this anxiety? Where's this pain really coming from? Where's it really coming from? Show me me. Second, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I need your help to forgive. And then the third thing is remember how much you have been forgiven and let that motivate you to forgive others. The question is, will you do it? If you don't do it, there are going to be two tragedies in your life. Two. There's multiple ones. I only have time for two. I'm already over. Number one is you're never going to live in peace. You will never live in peace. You will try to manufacture peace. You will try to buy peace. You, you, will, you will try. But you, you will never truly live in peace until you forgive in the book of Job, Job 21, it says, Some people stay healthy till the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. You want to live with that bitterness? That's going to be you. No happiness at all. No peace. The second thing, I mentioned it earlier, is this. If you are unwilling to forgive, all you're going to do is hurt you and hurt those you claim you love. Anytime you are hurt, and you don't let God heal you, seek healing from that hurt. You carry that hurt into every relationship you have. Some of you right now, you need to understand, you need to understand the hurts that you have not healed from in the past. That can hurt your relationship with your spouse. It can hurt your, it can hurt your children. It can hurt your grandchildren because you will sow those seeds of anger and bitterness and grudges into their lives. And when we do not let God heal us and help us forgive people who have hurt us, so many times we just carry that hurt into all of our other relationships. That's why Hebrews 12, 15 says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure, make sure, no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble. That's all it's going to do. That's all it's going to do. And poison the hearts of many. That's what unforgiveness does in our lives. That's what that bitterness does. I believe for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, we have to be people who forgive just as we have been forgiven. It's when we let them go, we find the freedom that Christ came and died for us to have. We can hang on to it choice is yours. 
I can't handle your unforgiveness and you can't deal with mine. But you can deal with yours in the power of Christ. I believe that. I think no better way to address that than to have and partake in Holy Communion. This moment when, where we remember what Jesus has done to forgive us. But then we declare that we can walk in that same forgiving power. So as you're getting that ready, Neil's going to come. Would you pray a very short prayer with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the forgiveness that you give each and every one of us. May we not just be recipients of it. May we give that same forgiveness to others. Let it be so. In Jesus' good and powerful name.